Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia, Episode 8, The Estonian Fight for Freedom Ends. In last episode, the Estonians of Saaremaa rebelled against the Danes, and it led to action all across Estonia, with Estonians overthrowing their conquerors throughout the country, with the sole exception being the fortress at Tallinn. In this episode, we pick up where we left off, with there being raids and counter-raids against the Germans in the south. In the year 1223, a counter-raid against the Germans in the Umara district ended badly when they were confronted with a strong German force. The Germans attacked the Estonians as they were crossing the Umara River. While Henry of Livonia stated that the Estonians bravely resisted, the Germans were victorious in the Second Battle of Umara. The onslaught against the Estonians was relentless. Estonia needed allies, and connections were established with Peskov and Novgorod, and an agreement was settled upon that they would cooperate with each other against the Germans. Not only was there a pledge for future help, the Russians sent an auxiliary force, which was split between the fortresses of Tartu and Viljandi, and they were well equipped with the weapons taken from the capture of the fortresses when the Germans were in control. They even had catapults, both captured and copied versions, and prepared to defend their strongholds. The Germans were able to muster a force of 8,000 men and attack the fortress of Viljandi. Both armies now had modern equipment and stones were being thrown both way of catapult machines. And arrows flew across the sky. The defenses were so good that the Germans couldn't storm the fort, so they encircled the fort and laid siege to the fort for two weeks. It was summer and it was unusually hot, and the lack of water and the death in the fort made a terrible smell, and the defenders were dying of thirst, hunger, and sickness from the unsanitary conditions. They were forced to surrender and convert once again to Christianity. This last siege of Viliandi shows how unstoppable the Germans must have seemed. They were able to generate so many more fresh troops regularly because of the Crusades, and this was going to continue. The elders of Sakala sent their envoys as far away as Suzdal, bearing both money and gifts to the Grand Duke of Vladimir Suzdal, who sent his brother Yaroslav to Estonia late in the year 1223. The men from Sarama came to meet the Russian army and invited the 20,000-man Allied army to help take part in a siege of Tallinn. While the army was traveling through Sakala, Yaroslav heard of the capture of Viljandi and learned that the Russians inside the fortress were killed upon their surrender, and Yaroslav went into a rage and went about raiding Sakala in an attempt to exact revenge. After Yaroslav cooled down, the Allied army of 20,000 made their way to Tallinn and laid siege to the fortress for four weeks, but could not conquer it. Yaroslav and his men left the siege and went angrily for home, looting villages in Ravala on his way. Things were desperate and the Estonians still needed help. So in 1223, Prince Viechko and 200 men arrived in Tartu. Viechko had been sent there to govern by Novgorod. This was an attempt by the Russians to establish a Russian principality in Estonia. 
some Estonian districts refused to pay Prince Vyachko tribute, and they had to endure his raids. By the summer of 1224, the Germans were, uh, were able to take back most of the Estonian mainland. The only major fort still in Estonian hands was the town of Tartu, which by this time had already withstood two sieges. The Germans went about making preparations for a third siege and arrived at Tartu with a strong force on August 15th. The Germans made one last offer to Prince Vyachko to leave the Estonian fort, but he declined expecting reinforcements that were promised to him. So the siege began. Both large and small catapults were used to hurl different types of projectiles, such as hot iron, stones, and something called fire pots into the fortress. The siege was on for eight days when a newly constructed siege tower was slowly pushed to the walls. The Germans were also busy undermining the fortress, walls by digging underneath and hollowing out the earths so that the walls might collapse. The Germans set large stacks of wood next to the fortress wall and set them alight. The defenders fired stones from their catapults and arrows from bows both day and night. The two sides went at each other with ferocity, not even allowing the other side to sleep. The rival sides taunted each other verbally, smacked swords and shields, banged drums, and blew whistles and trumpets. Finally, it was decided to storm the fortress. With great honors, prizes, and horses, and the most important prisoner, with the exception of Prince Vietzko, the Germans had already decided he would be hung. The attackers succeeded in storming the fort, and about 1,000 Estonians were killed both men and women. Of the Russian garrison that stayed to help defend Tartu, all but one was killed, a vassal to the Grand Duke of Suzdal. He was sent back so that the Russians could hear from a first-person account of what happened at Tartu. Now only Sarama was free for the time being. In January 1227, a grand army of 20,000 men set off from the mouth of the Parnu River to march on Sarama using the frozen sea as a road. The ice was extremely slippery, and the invaders reached the island of Muhu after nine days' march on the frozen sea. Seeing such a large army, the fortress of Muhu offered peace terms, and to convert to Christianity. But the Germans refused, and they decided to attack the fort. The first attempt to storm the fortress did not work as they were repulsed by rocks from catapults and arrow fire. So the attackers reverted to tactics engaged at Tartu. They besieged the fort with stones, built a large siege tower, and hollowed the ground around the fortress. The garrison of Muhu fought bravely, but on the sixth day, the overwhelming forces pushed their way into the fort where a massacre occurred, and all the valuable property was taken when the fortress was burnt to the ground. After this, the crusading army made their way to Valjela, Sarama's strongest fortress. The Germans raided the surrounding area and stacked their ill-gotten goods in a large pile next to the fort. The fortress was packed full of people, and there was no shelter for them that would protect the people from the upcoming bombardment of rocks and arrows. So the men of Sarama asked for peace.
The Crusaders, seeing that this fortress would be more difficult to take than the one at Muhu, agreed to the negotiations with the islanders. The Germans first asked for the sons of the elders as hostages, who were baptized at once. The priests consecrated the well in the courtyard of the fort and started baptizing men, women, and children. Soon news went out and envoys from other parishes and forts were showing up and being christened. In this way, the entire island of Saramaw was christened. The Estonian ancient fight for freedom had come to an end. It would be almost 700 years before they would be free once more. The book History of Estonia looks for reasons for the defeat. For nearly 20 years, Estonia had been hit by systematic looting raids. During this period, Estonia had to endure 50 of these raids. They also had to be responded to a raid with a counter-raid in a hope to dislodge the enemy. That is the problem, though. The German recruitment and the Holy Crusade, in which participants were, were resolved of their sins as an enticement, was real. And with the population of the Holy Roman Empire sending enthusiastic, tough fighters on regular campaigns of killing and conquest against the Estonian population, finally took its toll. It is estimated that the population of Estonia shrank anywhere by 33 to 50%, that the entire population at the end of the fight for freedom was around 200,000. They also had to face the Sword Brethren. While not a large force, with about 1,200 men, they were very well trained, professional, and determined adversary that stayed in the area permanently, getting to know the land and the people they were engaging. The Estonians were also outmatched technologically speaking. The Crusader side had catapults and crossbows, constructed siege towers, and had better defensive armor. But the biggest disadvantage was the lack of manpower. The Estonians did fight very bravely, however, and did just about everything they could do to try and maintain their freedom. Estonians through the centuries have been able to look back with pride and these, at these ancient events, and they may have encouraged some future independence movements in Estonia. Next episode, we will t take a look at what comes next for the Estonians during the Middle Ages and find out what life is like and what sort of structure the Germans provided for their new serfs. Until next time, Nagamiseni.